<laughs> well, holy, burn the tires and light the fires. Indeed. It is episode five of Goldie and Friends podcast, one I've wanted to do for a long time, as has my special guest here today, former Westlake High School football water boy standout. How dare and, you? And current lieutenant in the D.C. Fire Department, and my cuzzo the donk. Oh, Kevin Belcher, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Hey, welcome. Thank you very and much. And cheers, my good man. Cheers to you. We are both drinking delicious... <laughs> I'm drinking a man's drink. Uh, you're drinking your virgin strawberry daiquiri. I'm just kidding. It is a peach-flavored whiskey, and the only reason why is because if you have drank as much as I have in the past, you will, at some point, vomit profusely. And when you do that, it will set off a reflex that you just can't really just drink some regular kinds of whiskeys just straight. It's just not a good thing. So have you given up on like all other fruits? Like I feel like of all the Listen, fruits to throw back up, peach is not the one. Peach is a wonderful thing. At least I don't have cranberry juice, juice just like you, you do all the time, you know, for when it's your period. Just cranberry juice? I do. Juice. Juice. <laughs> I don't think it was cranberry juice. Juice is not all Juice did not have anything to do with your they peaches. They did not. They did not. <laughs> oh, peaches. Isn't that a... You know, remember you remember the song, peaches, peaches and cream. No, not peaches and cream. That oh, was a on. band. Oh, that, no. no, peaches by was it Presidents of the United States of America? Yes. Millions of peaches. Oh, peaches, peaches for, for me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is about boobies. It is, and it's incredible. It's incredible. Who doesn't like boobs? You know what the funny part was what? is we used to listen to that at practice for baseball, which I know you think is not a man sport, but. That is coming from the guy drinking peach whiskey. Well, you know, baseball, when you just stand around forever and actually barely move, I mean, that's cool if you want to be like that. But if you want to play a man sport, you can play, I don't know, football, hockey, something that's where you actually have to have a set of balls and actually hit someone. I like your thought process, but I would like to one-up you there. Mm. Would you like to violently hit people, call yourself a man to assure that the peach whiskey doesn't tell otherwise, and not be sure you're going to get paid, or stand around and know, hey, I don't care what happens. Isn't I'm this, taking all my money. Isn't this the Bobby Bonilla rule? Ah, yes, <laughs> yes. You went the Bobby Bonilla, the greatest thing in the world. For those of you who don't know, uh, the the Bobby Bonilla rule, and this may apply to the three of the twelve of you. That it was listen. just recent, matter of fact. The anniversary uh, was four days ago. Yes, it was four days ago. The Bobby Bonilla Day. Uh, happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Happy so Bobby just Bonilla just Day. so you guys know, uh, Bobby Bonilla signed a contract with the Mets where he deferred a bunch of his money over a period of time. The the Mets have to pay him one point one nine two million or something like that every year on the same day in July. For like the next 30 years. I think it's something where like he's going to die and his widow will collect that money. And then after his widow has a lesbian reaction with someone else that she'll probably get the money as well. That is actually exactly what's written in the contract. I think it is. So here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Do you know why the Mets made that deal? Well, because why the Wilpons made that deal? I believe it was because that they knew that they were getting a good ball player, but they did not want to come out of pocket and they were taking another pitcher at the time, wasn't it? That is awesome that you thought of it in the reality that it is sports. Oh. There's a bigger reason. This One has... that I'm going to blow your mind. Okay. And a lot of people don't know that. Some people, most people, I, uh, let me just say, deep dive baseball people probably know this. Mets fans definitely know this. That's because they hate their lives. They hate this. How? <laughs> that's 100%. <laughs> they're Mets fans. They also root for the Jets normally. So that's J-E-T-S, part of their problem. lose, lose, lose. <laughs> 100% accurate. But 
so up until new ownership has taken over now, which seems to have the Mets trending in a different direction, um, the positivity around Bobby Bonilla Day this year is the first time the Mets have ever done so. New ownership has actually decided that every year they're going to make it at the ballpark. There will be specific things that will be celebrating Bobby Bonilla Day. You know why? Because they're not the ones that agreed to the deal. Old ownership agreed to the deal. And the reason it was so negative is because... They were going after this and trying to make the best ball club they could make at the time that they signed this deal. And what happened was, is the Wilpons had all this money and they made some massive investments that was gonna pay off years down the road to pay all this off. And their investment specialist, Bernie Madoff, told them so. Oh, wow. So the deal was made to defer the money because they were gonna be making so much money off what their investment specialist, Bernie Madoff, had told them. It's a, such so, a yes, nice guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Bonilla Day is great. You may hate Bernie Madoff, but he gave us Bobby Bonilla Day. He did. And, I mean, he's a scoundrel to the nth degree. And, uh, but, oh, you know, but that that's a quite a deal for that man and for his family for the next umpteenth generations. But here's, the, here's where I will say the more widespread issue is. Hmm. Bobby Bonilla's contract is not the only one with deferred money. No, it's not. There's many of these. Most players. have done this. Uh, your boy, Mad uh, Max. Mad Max is very deferred. Well, he did that because he could see the the writing on the wall for a lot of pitchers that get injured and hurt. I mean, not everyone can be like Nolan Ryan and take a, a chin shot from Bo Jackson and just keep you know keep slinging it down the rock. But uh, Max Scherzer, uh, by far my favorite pitcher in professional sports now for many and multiple reasons. But he's smart because he's going to set up his kids. For generations to come, for you know, money that he doesn't have to collect right now because he has. If you think about it, deferred money. If you're a ball player and you have all the money already, and I mean all the money, mm -hmm. what is it if someone says, "I'm going to give you five more million dollars in your contract, or I'll give you five million dollars fifteen years from now, and I'll give it every year after that"? Well, you're done playing ball. It, maybe you're a, a piece of crap and can't you know manage your money, and then fifteen years from now you're like, "Wow." I have money again. So it makes a lot of sense for many of ball players, especially ones that are gambling on themselves for how hard that they throw or how hard they play the game. No, that's very true. The deferred option makes a lot of sense for a lot of ball players. When it stings you, though, as a ball club is when it's players like you know Bobby Bonilla, who did actually not live up to the, the hype of that contract. It was not that type of player. Or, and I, I swear to God, I think you were about to say it, but or if it's Chris Davis. For the Baltimore oh, Warriors. He, $161 million. Like have, and by like the way, a guy's name is Crush Davis and actually hit like shit. Um, yeah. And you know the best part about, because I'm sure that this is going to come up more in this podcast, but I have a deep disdain for Baltimore. <laughs> and there's um, and you're going to hear the disdain over this time. And, and I don't like them for multitudes of reasons, uh, but... You know, for him, when they, whenever I see a player of that kind of caliber and the way that he would carry himself and he strikes out or just whiffs the ball just so terribly, it just makes me chuckle at almost all Baltimore fans. But you know what? In a way, I feel bad for you. Swing the bat. But I feel bad for you because, you you know, you, you guys didn't do anything wrong, but then again, you root for that team. So you've made an active decision to participate in this, and I don't feel sorry for you. In that well, we regard, make it actively. We didn't say something. But where I was going to say is the ultimate piece of crap is um, the traitor, Bryce Harper. 
Bryce Harper uh, also has deferred money, which I find also very interesting that the year that he left the Nationals, they won the World Series. So, eat a shit sandwich. Do you want to know what's funny? Bryce Harper. Do you want to know what's funnier than that? Hmm. Uh, do you remember his opening press conference for the Phillies? Oh, yes. He said that he's looking bring, forward to bringing a championship back to Washington. Washington. I mean, Philadelphia. Yeah. And he was very correct because without his egocentric, idiotic, you know, terrible... Uh, dugout play and everything else. When he left, it came Juan Soto, and Juan Soto. Well, he might be the new goat. Uh, so I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna get your take on this. Um, uh, so when you bring that, that's a great point that you go down. I am one of those people who is uh, open-minded to the way games change and the way players change. I was a staunch, uh, do your job, get off the field, you're done uh, for the longest time. And I have moved on to, and what I mean by that is the the Barry Sanders rule of you scored a touchdown after you've been there, just hand the ball to the referee. Greatest running back of all time. Uh, agreed. Then uh, looking at Major League Baseball, the unwritten rules, like hit a home run, get around the bases, get off the field, stuff like that. Uh, no. That was at a time, that's how games started. Everything evolves. Mm-hmm. Games evolve. Not always for the best, though. Not always for the best. Do I need every wide receiver who scores a touchdown to find something where they pull a, a cell phone out from underneath the, the pad of the goalpost? No. Uh, it, those things are Go stand on the other team's logo. You should be punched in the face. Fine. However, if you and your buddies simulate the bowling celebration, uh, that's spectacular. That's so much fun. What Have you, some fun. What it's okay you, to put What fun. you can't see right now is me rolling my eyes in just absolute perpetuity. But this is why, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, most of you are saying, wow, this has gotten off to a fiery start. It's great. Why is, is this guy here? Um, and, and it's one, because he wears awesome shirts. I do. Uh, there's no crying in baseball, which is spectacular for a guy who, who genuinely hates baseball. That's not true. Uh, I, you kind of like baseball only because well, you're Well, see, now, in, in when, I w- when I was younger and when we would go and play at the Sandlot, for, for my high school days, as you would say, I'm a Westlake Wolverine. Yeah. And in the summertime, we would go and ride our bikes and we would go to the local Sandlot mm-hmm. and we would play there for five, six hours a day. Mm-hmm. And we would play every day and it wouldn't matter. It didn't mm-hmm. matter what the temperature was. We were there. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was before cell phones. This was before you know our parents ever gave a crap about checking up on us. Uh, and then now I look at kids and they can barely you know cross the street without their mother holding their hand. So they, again, those kids today would never make it in the '80s. The, the '80s kids just basically shit on all the kids today. Uh, that's that's a relatively fair point. I think that you're you're right in some of that, and that's ultimately why uh, the donk and I are here is that uh, we are uh, two seemingly different humans. Uh, with with very similar uh, with very similar thought processes. Yes, please pour more peach whiskey. Um, if you'd like, I have little umbrellas upstairs for you. Do and you have the flower? Do you have the sword? No swords. How dare you? Swords are saved for real men. Listen, I am Captain Jack Sparrow, and I want to know why the rum is gone. <laughs> so, uh, but the good thing with the both of us and one thing that we have both shared for our entire lives knowing each other and, and family and being uh, as close as we have been is the fact that we both have very different views in other areas mm. uh, however the best part about us is the fact that we have differing views yes and we're good with it yes ladies and gentlemen 
learned this lesson today, and that's what we're going to learn on this podcast, is how to have a differing view and just go, hey, man, that's wrong, and I'm not going to say you're an idiot. I'm going to say he's an idiot because he drinks peach whiskey, but he's going to say I'm an idiot because I'm kind of feminine. So in just a little 10-second time out with that, so if I went to, say, four different uh, liquor stores uh, <laughs> searching for a particular uh, drink called Crown Royal Peach, and every single liquor store was sold Shouts out. Shouts out to Crown that. Royal. That's right. Shouts out to Crown Royal Peach. So if all those liquor stores are sold out from it and everything else is there, does that mean that I'm the idiot? Or does that mean that you're just the one that just isn't on the right chip? Which Crown Royal were you looking for? Peach. <laughs> what did you buy? Hmm? What did you buy? Oh, I went and bought uh, the next best thing. This was Bird Dog Peach. Is it the next best thing? It is, because that's one of the great... No, I mean, you're drinking it right now. I'm genuinely asking. It, it's is really it the next best thing? Pretty, it's actually pretty good. Is it? Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. I hope you still love peaches after this. Uh, I can eat a peach for hours. That's <laughs> so well played. Uh, there's a little brown stuff right there above your lip. Um, uh, you know. But <laughs> so, but that that's why, uh, and, and trust me, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the donk will be here multiple times because we have a lot of good uh, good times and talking about a lot of different things that we definitely don't agree on. However, there's a lot of things we do agree on. And uh, we'll start with what you just said. Right, um, and, and this is where I was going to go a little bit later. Uh, but one of the things that we do have in common is the way that we grew up, and the way that we parent. Uh, and, and today, it's a little bit different, right? Um, yes. And, and oh, I, what I should say, and I don't think you would disagree based on just the little bit we we had upstairs and we've hung around before with with my kids and with your kids, mm-hmm. is we do parent a little bit differently. Yes. Um, I have a little bit more. Uh, uh, you do things in a much more classic way that I think is is very like you stay very true to yourself. Yes. I don't say that like in a negative way. I say this is just very true to who you are. Like yes. I expect, like when you heard that that our twelve year old played cards against humanity, you were mildly appalled. I, uh, I, and I was in no way, shape, or form appalled. Yeah, I I would in no way when we play cards against humanity and we have four children, we do not let them anywhere near coming downstairs to hear what trash is going on and to know for the most part. None of the kids had ever been close to playing Cards Against Humanity prior to that. Uh, so it's not like it's something that we've made this practice of everyone at 12 has started to play. It just so happened that our two oldest, my two oldest, are 16 and 17, almost 17 for the 16-year-old. And we just decided to play, and we included the 12-year-old. And while there were certain cards that popped up, I went, ah, well, I mean, this bridge we got to jump off. Two midgets shitting in a bucket. Who could not want that card? Jerking off in a pool of baby's tears. Oh, that, and, and when he pulled that, that card, is, and that then, was the one that I was like, ooh, maybe ooh, we went too far. Yeah, that's, but That's not, yeah. But what are you going to do, right? So, so the question becomes, right? I, I think we both agree that there is a, a there is a, a massive issue. We, we've talked about a lot of other issues, mm-hmm. and, and I love the way you're looking at me because you're like, I swear to God, if you even try to point remotely close to politics and then keep me away from it, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. <laughs> That's why you're smiling right now. Uh, is I'm not going to go down a political route. I'm not going to do that. That's for another day, and that I don't think anybody for wants a much to hear different what I have day. To say. Uh, no, I, I think a lot of people want to hear what everybody has to say. I hope that people are more open to listening to it because you and I can have that conversation and be and different. That's true. But where I would say is uh, when you look at kids today, I think a lot of issues in society, and I don't mean politically. I think that's ultimately what I'm trying right. to say. Is I don't mean politically. I think a lot of issues that we talked about a little bit earlier today, even before the podcast, that are. 
steaming about do have to come with the way kids are parented. Uh, to your point, when we grew up in the 80s and, and early 90s, it was go play with your kids. That was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, go play with your friends. Every day we came home from school, we went to the field at the end of the street to figure out where we were going to, what game we were playing. If it mm-hmm. was spring and summer, baseball, wiffle ball all day long. As soon as fall hit, football. Football. Get it. Right? And then, I mean, we had the games I don't think you can play now. What, Smear the Queer? I think that's politically incorrect, but we still would do that. No, it is. But it would, be, it would be a very interesting kind of day with nowadays because we wouldn't know what would happen. I, I, I'm not even sure how that game would be played um, or or received. Uh, by, and I don't mean by the well, kids. I know how it would be received for some players. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't mean received by the players. I mean received by whoever in the community is around and where the issue comes in. For I think the bigger issue is is what you said following that up, which is how many kids do you see without a parent around? Well, to me, uh, it, the biggest thing that I see, uh, especially with my kids now, is that you have parents that just hover. And they, they constantly are watching over their kids no matter where they are, what they're doing. They have to, you know, have walkie-talkies or whatever else. You know, growing up when we did, I mean, I feel very privileged to have grown up when I did because we didn't have the cell phones. We didn't have all that kind of stuff. Nope. I would leave. Um, I remember when I lived in Hampshire and the, when the mall finally opened, I had to ride my bike six miles away crossing two major highways and I don't think I was more than 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. And my parents could care less. They gave me $5 to go to the arcade. And it was just more or less like, okay, go have fun, meet your friends. And where now, you know, if you ask a kid to go and do something, I mean, my kids will tell you that they're bored. They have a pool. They have a hot tub. They've got six acres to play on. They've got an ATV. They have all these things to do. And yet every single day, one of them will tell me, or if not two or three, I'm bored. I have nothing to do. And my slogan, which has become quite apparent over in my neck of the woods over there, is um, these kids suck. And you kids do not know how to be kids. And it's it's absolutely awful that to watch these do you think Do you think it's they don't know how to be kids? Or do you think that it's because we have right these things, and I'm pointing to a cell phone or iPad or all those things, they actually don't know how to be bored? Because, well, because that was an interesting point I did hear somebody say at one point in time. Well, I think that, that I think that the, the the devices themselves have really come a long way. I mean, I don't know necessarily if I can put all of it on the devices because when we were growing up, we still had like Game Boy, Nintendos, all those yeah, types of things. But again, this but, goes back to the parenting conversation. But I right? think that they, how easy it to be like, look at your iPad. I'm busy. Well, I'm drinking rosé. My parents, my parents were a little bit uniquer, I think, than yours were because my mom was an ER nurse yep. for 47 years, and my dad was a DC fireman. Uh, for 27 years and so I had, was on a shift swing with, with whatever parent was there and whoever was going to be sleeping or whatever mm-hmm. else so you know they never really sat me down and wanted me to play video games anyways for the most part they wanted me out of the house if someone was sleeping or if my mom was sure that makes if sense. my mom was basically you know cleaning the house from whatever my mess my father would make with his friends so which naturally firemen do but I, I to me I don't when I say that you know kids just don't know how to be kids anymore, I really do mean that because we would make up games. We would just you know out of this you know it didn't matter what the game was. If we mm-hmm. had a ball and we were outside, we would make something to do. We would sit there if it was late at night. We would play uh, you know freeze tag with flashlights or whatever else, and we wouldn't be worried about anything. Where now you have these kids that basically want to be inside, want to watch TV all the time, they want to play on their devices, and 
it really does boil down that their social skills that children have, they don't have like what we had when we mm-hmm. were younger. The ability to actually physically have to call someone or ride their bike to actually go see someone. Whereas now, they'll video chat, they'll FaceTime, mm-hmm. they'll text message, they'll do anything that they can not to actually see or actually hear someone's voice. Uh, and that, to me, is one of the bigger changes, I think, that the reason why that kids just do not have the same kind of social skills. And it shows... In my, in, in my world as a, a lieutenant in the fire department, I see these guys that are coming on that are very younger that don't have any social skills whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They have never been able to talk to somebody because their entire lives they've been text messaging people. So when they answer the phone or they talk to people in the general public, it's really, really odd to watch some of these things. So, And that's where I would go back to... That's why I would say I think I, I think that everything every point you make is 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 very accurate and and I, I would agree with with the majority of it and I think that the majority of all that still roots back to if we didn't go ride our bike if we didn't go make up that game there's no other option you were gonna be right. bored so you had to get creative right today right. if you don't go make up that game if you don't go ride your bike you pick up your device and you're instantly well, you're connected, right? So you have no opportunity to be bored, right? So the, the the viewpoint I heard, which I think is is very powerful and is is very accurate for for somebody to to really think about, is in ten to fifteen years to twenty years, is all the great art, is all the great music, is all the great entertainment going to be as bland as it's ever been because boredom is gone creativity then gets destroyed mm-hmm. when there's no boredom right so we were we were at a at a place at one point in time and, and a little six-year-old girl was walking around going i'm so bored because she didn't have her electronics mm-hmm. and i said out loud uh probably good be bored yeah come up with something to do let's figure it out i'll play whatever game you want mm-hmm. and she created a new game and guess who wasn't bored anymore and it didn't require electronic mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about all the things that you did or so you weren't bored. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the option for, let me text my friend. Right? We had to make phone calls. And I, even when we were kids, initially when we were old enough to start making phone calls, they wouldn't even call waiting. But I think it's also different. I think that brains are actually just wired differently. I think that you know it doesn't matter necessarily if it's devices or whether it's phones or whatever else. I wasn't bored just to be bored. I was, you know, I never was bored. The only time I was ever bored is when it rained and I had to be inside. Mm-hmm. Like for me now, where where I live on six acres and have all this kind of stuff for these kids to do, there's no way that you could ever tell me that I would be inside. I would be outside making forts. I'd be playing mm-hmm. war. I would do all these things. And these kids want really nothing to do with it. I just built a treehouse for them. In this backyard, it's pretty spectacular. Which is going to double, which is, which is double as a tree stand, by the way. <laughs> so, um, so that's why I made it very sturdy for myself. But they don't go up there hardly at all. And when they do, you know, they sit up there for a little while, and because they begged me to have a tree house, and we we built them their tree house, and then now it's more or less like, okay, great, I got my one or two days, you know, mm-hmm. worth of use out of it, and now it's just. Okay, it's just somewhere we can go put the rest of our shit and go leave up there. So how, long, how long did it take you to make the treehouse? Well, that treehouse 
Because it's pretty nice. It's a nice treehouse. It, it took a while because, you know, I had never built anything like that before. Sure. And, and so when you're doing something like that and you really, there's no plan, so you're kind of like doing it by the seat of your pants. I think it took end up like three weeks because I was doing it in between going back and forth to work or I had chores to do around the house because, you know, the mm-hmm. honeydew list is never ending. So you got to do that before you go out oh, there and start when you're playing. six acres. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's constantly, you know, moving around all the time. So uh, it, it's, it's just... I feel like these kids now, the crutch is, is always that we say that the times are different. And I don't necessarily agree with, just because the times are different mm-hmm. does not necessarily mean that these kids should not have a better imagination. And I feel that because with the less interactions that they have with human beings, you know, and actually learning how to have oral communications and even nonverbal communication skills, mm-hmm. they don't have that anymore. And when, like you said, 10 or 15 years from now, you're going to be dealing with a situation where you're not going to have people want to come out of their houses. And when that happens, the, the awkwardness that people have is going to be incredible. Yeah, I, I, and I, but I think that also it still kind of lends itself back to, right, is, and the reason I asked how long it takes you to build that, and the kids just want to sit in it for a minute and then they're done, mm-hmm. is it's the environment today is instant gratification. And this doesn't apply to just kids. This applies to adults. You and I both oh, yeah. know these adults. Oh, yeah. But it's instant gratification. If you have to wait for anything, it's not worth it, right? right. Because you have, you have Amazon can be there in two days, right. sometimes same day. Right, so uh, having to wait for those things is it affecting the way that you know that they interact, and then looking at, you know, um, just the way that that kids now can get that instant gratification from a thing. That's what I mean is that they, you and I would never have been bored because uh, ultimately our parents forced us outside. Yes, you know without question. Yours was on shift work, right? Mm-hmm. That's okay. I, that's every Saturday we were forced out of the house. Because mom and dad were cleaning the house, and we were just going to be in the way. Yeah. And when, when Big Bob gets rolling on cleaning, get out of his way. Because right, it's a seam it. roll, and just it's, it's a, you, you got to get out of the way. So we would go outside, and we would gladly go play wiffle ball and stuff like that. Um, what's funny is that, you know, I, I'm curious. So this is going to be a curious question to ask you about this, because I'm on the flip side of it, right? You live on six acres. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle of kind of farm country. It's beautiful out there. Right? Mm-hmm. I've been out there. Fort Belcher is amazing. It's awesome. Um, here I am in the middle of subdivision hell, uh, and I say that lovingly, not really. Not really. Um, it, it, there's too many people here. Um, but where I live is it, community. I have my community pool. I have all things. The same exact things we had growing up. Mm-hmm. Community. But it, that's where, like, I ask, like, okay, so do you think your kids are that way because they're not in a community? And then I think I'm in a community. Well, see, I my can, kids are the same way. But see, I can one up you. So. One of the big things is we have a huge neighborhood that's behind us. So through the woods, Mm. a lot of my kids, you know, from where we are, there's a very dangerous road that we live on. And I don't want them riding their bikes to go back to the neighborhood. Oh, sure. So what I decided to do was I went ahead and cut a massive trail Mm -hmm. from my woods all the way to the adjoining neighborhood. So now when they go through the woods that they can get through to the neighborhood and they can go see their kids... So and their friends, and then it works out great because the adults come over too. We sit there and have some adult sodas by the pool and everything else. But their ability to go see any one of their friends, and they have carte blanche because all they have to do is sit there and say, "Hey, I'm going over to Ben's house. Hey, I'm going over to such and such's house," and and, and they they can go. They, if they want to go to Warren's house, which is all the way at the end of the block, they can go because they can. They're trusted enough to go on their bikes and go into a, a, a controlled neighborhood. So. They have the best of both worlds. They live in the country where they have 
the ability to do whatever they want, whenever mm-hmm. they want. When COVID hit, a lot of people felt like that they were really you know, kept inside and that they really had nowhere to go. Right, we, you guys we weren't never, in that scenario. We were we never, scenario. We were never uh, quarantined. We could run from one side of our property to the other and be completely winded. And those kids had no idea that they were actually being you know, quarantined for any right. you know, time that it was. So they're really, in a, in a way, spoiled. And I, I never had it like that, and I really wish that. And I'm actually, in ways, I'm glad I didn't because I actually was able well, to major see. Major person who you are. Yeah, and I think that you know, a lot of times, also now, as you see parents that are basically just willing to give their kids whatever they want to make them shut up, to make them be quiet, so they can go on, you know, their phone and zone out, or you know, watch their favorite TV show, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, sit by the poolside like we do. But when we do it, like when we want to sit there and sit poolside and talk with the adults, we actually sit there and talk about a lot of things about what's going on with our kids. And also with what's going on in the world. And I don't know. And one thing that really ticks me off, and maybe you can answer this, is is I don't like when children are involved in adult conversations. To me, me, we were never allowed to do that. You know, when I was growing up, whenever there was an adult conversation going on, we were shooed away with, you know, the... With her, yeah, we were hurriedly shoot away. You, know, you, you and I have been shoot away for many hours. Where now yeah. you have, I think these kids are growing up way too fast because their parents are allowing them yeah. to stay around and listen to these conversations. Yeah, and they're using language that they shouldn't be, except for around their friends. And these kids are going to school and they're saying these things, and then all of a sudden they want to know where this stuff came from. Well, it's from you because you're allowing your kids to hear yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100 percent that I think there's too much of that happening. Where we're pretty, I have always taken the parental approach that I will talk to any kid like a human being. Mm-hmm. Not a kid. I'm not going to cuss at a four year old. That'd probably be rough. But I've done that and, too. And as a, but, but as a, as a, right, as, as a baseball coach, I coach kids all the way from five years old, all four years old, all the way up to, I've coached kids as, as high as 17 years old, right? Uh, I refuse to cuss or do any of that shit. <laughs> with them uh, until they are teenagers or above. And at that point, I actually do believe, uh, just because I have a different disdain for teenagers, but um, I do believe that, that you can use more adult language with them. However, I've always treated kids as people, um, but understanding who they are at their age, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm going to talk to a four-year-old like a person. However, I'm not going to stop a four-year-old from being a four-year-old. Right? If they're going to build blocks and knock them over, awesome. Let's just keep knocking over blocks. Let's just have fun with it. Um, but I'm not going to coddle that kid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach him that way. Right, And where the differentiation, and I think what you're getting at, is, is 100% right, is and we fought this. We both live in blended families. right? So we both have had to deal with, like, hey, we do this. It's really hard sometimes to get the other side. Oh, the same freaking oh page, my. man. Uh, it, it's a pain in the ass, you know right? We so, call, we so, call Santa parenting. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's like, oh, everything is hopes and dreams, and everything is whatever you want, and everything is I'm your best friend, right? Well, if, the one person is always the, the is the bad guy because you know, you know, we in in our side we do the adulting. We are the ones that are doing the. We're the same one. We're uh, the same. We one. we make sure that everything happens, and then you, the other side will end up always having the the Santa parent. Kind of like we're in, there's in no there's no kind of ramifications for uh, they can stay up as late as they want do whatever they want with this and then right. when they come back 
then it's kind of like there's the, an adjustment period. There's always the adjustment, period. right? And it's only a couple of days, and then but one of those days is taken by an adjustment period. And you're like, Correct. Jesus! And by the time you get them on that page, then you have this. You're sending them back. It, it's all those things, and and neither you or I are calling for boohoo on that. So you people that are going to be like, well, you caused that situation. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Um, we're dealing with the situation handled in the way that we should go. So that's the way we're going to handle it. But but what I would say is. Um, uh, is that you have to be true to who you are and sticking to that way, but then also understanding that kids are kids. Like I said before, I'm going to talk to a four-year-old like a human. I'm not going to talk to him like a four-year-old. However, I'm going to play four-year-old games with a four-year-old because that's what they do, right? So unless you are, and my point is, is unless you are someone who is is engaged with that topic – you shouldn't be a part of that topic. And I think about that just in general. And I think that's probably a little different. That's where, where I differ a little bit than you is that I don't separate kids from adults. I separate experience from experience. If I, if we're having a political discussion, mm-hmm. those kids have no idea. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to be a part of this. If we're talking about money, investments, whatever, get out. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. However, if we're talking about budgeting or, or a life lesson, now I want them to be a part of that. I've lived a lot of life lessons, a lot of hard fucking life lessons. Mm-hmm. I want them to learn. It's that whole, I want my kids to be better than me. I want them to learn these lessons now versus when they're 26 and they've you know lost their car, lost their home, don't have anything. I would rather them learn that lesson now, but it has to be... That's weird too because it's like it has to be the right situation. It can't be like, oh hey, we're at a pool party, chilling, killing. Don't not pay your car payment. But, but you know what I mean. But here's the thing, though. At what expense? So when you, you know, you and I, you know, some of the greatest lessons that you'll ever learn in life are from your failures. Yeah, thousand percent. I agree with from, that. Hundred percent. From me, you know, I can safely say that some of the best things that I know that I have done wrong that has caused me to be the person that I am today. When yeah. you invite children to listen in on things like that, that's fine if you want to go down that route. But it's also something for them to learn on their own as well. You can teach them certain things. And, of course, you know if you're talking about budgeting things or if you want them to learn the value of a dollar, that's great. Sure. But when you still are talking about like you know investments or anything or anything that really involves anything over their current age and like oh yeah they're not going to understand I don't don't necessarily think that you know it's a wise thing to sit there and get them involved in things like that and also I think that it's it's good for children to learn to you know from trial and error with a safety net with you watching behind and then you can input when they fail. You can input your story of how you failed as well to show them why that you know what they're going through and that that you can show them what you learned as a person to grow. So I think that's an important piece, though, and and that's an important piece that I left out in what I was going to say is that we go back to the Santa parent, the helicopter parent. Mm -hmm. The helicopter parent, the Santa parent says, this is what happened to me. Don't let it happen. And when they start to watch that happen, that's where they are. Right? They're over top of it. They're over top. No, 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 no. I told you, don't do that. Don't do that. What I'm saying is that I might tell you, this is what I would suggest you do. But that's where my involvement ends. From there, you got to make the decision. And when you make that wrong decision, I'll be there to be like, remember when we talked about this? Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100%. The hardest thing in all of parenting to do, in, in my opinion, from being a parent from, you know, newborn to, now 17 year old and adding in the stepkids in the middle 
have I feel like I have pretty good experience in parenting 17 years worth right Mm -hmm. Uh, the hardest period portion was not potty training was not dealing with the first six weeks of a newborn who won't stop crying because they've got colic or any of this that's that's not hard that's like grinding but that's not hard mm-hmm. what's freaking hard is when they're old enough to start doing things and you have to sit back and go ah, I gotta let you make this mistake mm-hmm. right uh, I, I, I know our parents allowed us to do those things uh, I think there were times that there was. I think there's certain mistakes that maybe our parents could have curbed to keep from happening a little bit, but safety wise. Safety wise. But what I also think is if those, if our parents had taken a little bit di- different direction on those, we probably wouldn't be the people we are today, mm-hmm. right? So, but the hardest thing, period, is is literally sitting back, going, I can literally see my kid failing the next step, but I gotta let him. Yeah. And just standing there helplessly watching, and then they do, because you know you've been there, right? You've lived the life, and that happens. And that's where the, these teenage years are so hard, especially now, because not only do we have to parent what we grew up with, now you got to parent. Internet lives forever. Yeah. Internet lives forever. Whatever you put out how, there ain't going away. Well, I mean, to, to your point with that, I, I know for a fact that had the internet been around, I think that either A, I'd be in jail for a very ah, long time. A thousand percent. <coughs> or, um, you know, I would basically, I would not have the job that I do now because I would have, you know, in this cancel culture society that we live in, you know, if you say one thing wrong 15 years ago and it comes back up in your world today... I mean, that would be devastating. So, I mean, look what's going on all over the world. I mean, that's for a whole other topic and discussion. But, you know, the, the idea that we let these kids do what they want to do. And then the other part of this is is that the participation trophy kind of phenomenon. Yeah. Where I'll go with whatever a kid wants to do, they're still going to get some kind of reward for it. There is always that... You know, whether you want to go baseball, so every kid is going to end up getting some kind of ribbon saying they mm-hmm. did a completely great job when they mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, me, when I was watching my son play baseball and he would strike out left and right, but he was a hell of a fielder, I would feel like I'm failing him in some way because I'm not showing him how to hit in a certain way. Sure. But I sat there and watched him swing, miss, do everything else. But he still got that same reward that basically the kids that won the championship got. What right. did that teach him? Right. didn't teach him anything. When we were growing up, I didn't get those kinds of things. I think everybody, I, I feel like, like I've thought about this a lot, right? Being, you know, my deep involvement with, with coaching baseball and stuff like that. I've thought about this a lot. And if it was the same as when I was coaching this last time with, with Rowan to, in, in T-ball, the coaches I all played for had an option. And they all went in T-ball. All went trophy. And we didn't give a shit. Because we didn't care about winning. We didn't care about winning. But T-ball is, I think, a little bit different because, you know, they're playing with, like, butterflies and dirt and stuff like that. Right. But but coach pitch is where it changed. Yes. The next level up is where it changed. And and we didn't. You didn't always get a trophy. Um, You may have gotten a little thing that said, hey, you you played baseball this year. And that was the end of it. It wasn't anything that you were like, oh, yeah, look at me. But where I would agree with you is, is I have coached every team I've ever coached for, any team I've ever been given the option. I've said no. Every time. I said, oh, is there a trophy for the champions at the end? Yes. Okay. That's where we'll get it. If we don't get it, it's okay. And I've told my parents that at the beginning of every season. We're not here to win. 
We're not playing to win. You shouldn't play to win until you get to high school. That's really where it matters. Right. The rest of you playing to win beyond before that uh, is why your kid has stopped playing. Yes. And then the ones that keep going, hey, God bless you. There's a kid from literally 15 miles up the road that just got drafted in the first round of Major League Baseball. Hell of a player. I remember coaching against him one or two years when he was younger. Hell of a player. Great for him. But, That's but at the end of the day, so. teach your kids to play. The reward should be that if they really enjoy it and they really want to get better, they should keep playing. Yeah. But if they don't like it, right? That's the rule we had here in this house, which was, if you're going to play a sport, cool, we're going to sign you up. That's a full season. But then they're also, Full season. But period. then it also goes to the thing that I think is really what's wrong with a lot of like sports parents now is is that their kids are not getting the multi sports like we used to. Get. A thousand percent right. Uh, you you have kids now that are in baseball camps year round, and yeah. you know I'm not one that the really body's not made yeah, to play baseball. Tommy John surgeries, but when they're in high school and stuff like that, where where when we were growing up, we had the seasons. I was never. One to play travel sports because my parents couldn't do it. And it was yeah, expensive. It was same expensive. Here. So we played rec league. So whatever season the rec league was in, whether it was basketball, whether it was baseball, mm-hmm. soccer, football, whatever else, we did it. And I think it gives your body a chance to rest, but it also teaches you a lot about team sports. Yeah. Whereas you actually, and I think football is the ultimate team sport. To Agree, hundred percent. Because you are having to, you know, work with every single person to get the one play working and to, to to score the touchdown or even to get the first down or pick up a yard. It doesn't matter if that's what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And these kids that have never experienced being in the trenches, you know, of you know an offense or a defensive line and doing those kinds of things, they'll never really understand, you know. Uh, what it's like to dig really deep in certain instances. And I think that what I learned playing sports as a kid, especially playing football and even hockey, is that you don't always have the ability to give up. Someone else is is relying on you for something. And I think that that's a big problem with like individual sports. And I don't want to say baseball is an individual sport, but it kind of is in, in lots of it's, it's several inter, It's several individual sports wrapped into one. Yeah, because it, you could have a dominating pitcher who is just taking over a game defensively. Mm-hmm. However, if he can't hit, then it doesn't fucking matter. If right. nobody can hit, right? So, so there's that. But, but you're not wrong. I'm in 100% agree with you that that to me, football is the ultimate team sport. Um, I, I will say the brief image of you on hockey skates really makes me laugh hysterically. I got drafted in college. Uh, what in a, in a rec league? Uh, because they wanted me to be the enforcer. Forcer. That I believe. That so I, believe. I didn't really know how to skate very Clunky well. Skate. Have you ever watched the show Letter Kenny? Of course. You and have. Uh-huh. Ah. Right. Yes. Shorzy. Oh, yeah. But I. But when I <laughs> when I would uh, when I would go out there, they would just tell me number four, go take him out, and that's what that's we would hilarious. do. And so I would go and, and and I learned how to skate and I learned how to play. I actually became a pretty good player, but I led the league in penalty minutes and in, and in fighting. So I mean, that was fun. Is there a better way to hockey? Uh, I don't think so. But I mean, it was it was a lot of fun when I played. I mean, I don't think you can do some of the stuff that we do that we did then. But you know. It is different. It's just very different in that aspect. But I, I would agree with you that more kids should play multiple sports. Um, and what's crazy to me is understanding that, like, as little as t-ball, there are t- travel t-ball leagues, which I think is crazy. That's the but, stupidest thing I ever heard. But no, I will one-up you on even stupider. There are year-round football leagues. That's dumb too. That's worse because that's just vi- that. That is a, a level of contact that your body cannot handle. 
I'm not even going to go down the brain route. That That's proven, got it, cool, moving on. Again, not dismissing it, but at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, should not be constantly but that's what doing talk, but that's this. what that's what my whole point For a about year. but that's what my whole point is about playing multiple sports yeah. and play football your, give your body a break playing basketball correct then go play baseball where you stand around and get a break not having anything cardiovascular but it also just te- teaches your body how to do different things to move differently you and strengthen you might, other muscles and you might figure out that you're better in one sport than the other mm-hmm. i mean that's what i figured out when i started playing all these different sports i realized that football was my niche sport yep it was where i you know everything came natural to me it was a very violent sport where i couldn't stand certain people in high school and i would just go out to the practice field and they would allow me to hit that person as hard as i could and i was like this is the greatest thing ever and i went home with a clear mind every night i was like i'm good i'm good it's the same thing you know one of those things that it allows you to do is remember when we were in high school the studs at your school right when we think of jocks Mm -hmm. right was the killer three sport athlete? You know what? Honestly, always. The, uh, well, at, our, at, at my school, at it was. Your, maybe at your, maybe not well, at, at yours. Like we were good at so many sports, so it yeah. was easy we, to we be had, at three sports. My, my high school was really good at a lot of sports, but in in particular, it was football, football. and yeah, track. Yeah, you guys were great at football and track. Yeah, we didn't lose a lot of no. games in football, but it was a lot of reason because of the track school because the guys that were running the ball were running the hundreds and ten yeah. flat. So I mean, they were they were super fast, super fast, and everything else. But I, I just, I don't know. When I, when, I look at, when I look at high schools now and I see that the parents are always trying to make the kids do just the one sport. And, and to your point, when you're saying the jocks with the three sports and everything, I only played football and I did wrestling because my coach ordered me to. And I hated it. I hated wrestling. Why did you hate wrestling? I feel like wrestling for you would have been a good sport. Well, I didn't know really what I was doing. And I guess then, and you I was been slamming, in a tough spot. I was slamming. Of... The first time, like, they threw me in midseason because they needed a guy for the heavyweight class. And so, like, I went in there and I started doing some stuff I didn't know was uh, I, <laughs> WWF style. I started, I suplexed somebody and then I squeezed their head until their contact popped out of their eye. And I didn't know that that wasn't legal. And so I got disqualified. And so then my coach told me that I'm going to have to learn like some real moves or otherwise I wasn't going to play anymore. Well, I just quit. I was like, this isn't for me. But I did track because the coaches made you do different things. Did you do shot put? Oh, yeah, I did shot put. Yeah. That was fun. I feel like shot put would have been good for you. Shot put was so fun. I'm still kind of I was surprised. a 100-meter dash guy. You didn't believe it, but I was. I've seen you run. I still don't believe it. Hey, dude, man, I was the fastest <laughs> lineman. I was the fastest lineman in the state of Maryland for two so, years running. I will tell you that the one thing that's – you know what? I've never, ever thought about this until you just mentioned it. I'm baffled that you were not a state champion wrestler. Nope. Uh, I feel like uh, – that's true. I guess at that age it would have been hard to corral you a little bit. But I was very raw. No, very raw. That's what I mean. Is like, man, I guess that's a missed opportunity because, like, I think about it now. But again, changing the times, mm-hmm. right? We grew up. Boxing was a big thing, and mm-hmm. I'm going this way on purpose. MMA is a big thing now. Yes, right. I, if I had a young son right now, all he would be doing is wrestling and jujitsu. Well, I, he plays some sports. That's fine. However. Wrestling, without question, because no matter what, right, the one thing you want to make sure that your son can do as a man is defend himself. Yeah. Well, I think that jujitsu, oh, however you say that. Oh, the peach whiskey. Gotcha. It's going to get me. Um, but I think that that's, you know, 
one of the new fads where we just see everybody and their grandmother starting to do that. I don't and think it's a fad, though. I mean, I like it, and I think it's cool and all. And I think that, you know, the guys that do it, I'm really just blown away with their skills and what they can do with mm-hmm. everything. But I think that there's just there still is something to that old school like street ball you know baller that can oh you know, for and, sure and you, you have to like if your kid is into combat sports if you're getting into combat like you have to learn well, how Conor to punch. McGregor and you have like, to learn you know, how to all kick. those guys that were like that, that would basically like, the one legged Irishman <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah, so that bad. was gross that was so terrible that's so gross yeah it was bad but I think MMA is definitely neat but I think the one sport I think. In, in my son in particular, it's it's very odd because I was so praying that he would do football. I was. But I'm over it now because I know that that's not his niche. Yeah. And so he's a soccer player. And yeah. he's, he's he is not built, thank God, like me. He is an actual uh, abs and, and things like that. So, like, he's able you to. You have abs. Uh, yeah. They're under their Deep center. down, you Deep have down abs. abs. But like uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that my son has the ability to to run the way that he does and do the things that he does, and he's he has the ability to be um, angry, but he doesn't have the violent gene that's that good. I did, which is yeah, great. That's good. It's because, controlled competitiveness yeah, in my mind. I I was uh, um, and, and I'm am able to step back and look at it now. And my dad and a couple other people said it, and they said it right. They said that when the Friday lights would come on. And I would put I was the nicest guy ever during the day, mm-hmm. whatever else. And then when I laced my cleats up and my feet would touch the grass in the end zone, yeah. something happened to me where like I wasn't the same guy anymore. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of glad that my son doesn't have that kind of ability. And it's taken me many years of my adult life to kind of suppress that kind of you know rage, rage. anger and stuff like that. Yeah. Where he doesn't have that, so I feel very blessed that he doesn't you know do that kind of stuff. So um, I, I'm just. I'm just glad that he's done a different sport track than I am. It is interesting, right, to like see them go. Like Josh played baseball for nine years and then just decided he was done. And then you look at like uh, you know, like I told you, like you, you, Rowan is doing his his whole thing of he played soccer for a few years and now he's playing golf, which is awesome to play with. And Catherine's doing her thing and she just did track this year and just really just crushed it doing golf, which I'm I, I, doing track. I'm sorry, and, and she had a, a, a great time doing it after missing it last year due to COVID and all that jazz. It's funny to look at now and see like, man, I'm really glad, but at the same time, I think what I've taken a step back from is like. Right now, uh, you and I have talked about we don't have regular TV. I, 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 the whole time we're doing this podcast, my phone keeps lighting up because it's people updating me on the home run derby, which I find hilarious because you actually care. But I don't because but if I do. care, but if I cared, I'd have TV and I'd be on. But if you care, because the TV's right here. Because but you also have the ability to turn your phone over, which I did do at one point in time, and then I remembered that we do have a time limit that I have to keep track of mm-hmm. on the phone. On the phone. Because there's no other clock down here. That's true. You could have a stopwatch. That's true. <laughs> that would be fun. Oh, my dad had a really nice old one when mm-hmm. I was in like elementary school. I have school. one right here. It's on my wrist. No, no, no. You remember like the old ones that coaches used to oh, have? Oh, yeah. The, that was silver with the little tab on top and you hit it and had the hands oh, yeah. around. My dad had one of those with the glass casing and everything because mm-hmm. he ran cross country and track and all that stuff. Which is odd to think about your dad. I now. took that. He's not running track now. No. no. Two brand new knees. He's not running. Mm-hmm. And, and so metal. Yeah. So much metal. Actually, maybe plastic. 
As long as he doesn't kill anybody, he'd probably be as good as that guy that did. That Oscar Pistorius guy. Remember that guy? Yeah, the that Blade guy was, Runner? That guy was scary. He had plastic legs. Maybe metal legs was the issue. If he'd have had metal legs. Composite? Yes, I think they were composite. Yeah, either like way, a, he definitely killed that chick. He definitely did. It Just like Bill Cosby definitely he? raped those ladies. Yeah, but it's so good to see the, the Pudding Pops man out. I'm not going to lie. Did you see what the technicality is? Yeah. Yeah. It was the... Uh, so he had told the prosecutor that when the prosecutor had asked if he would be willing to give some particulars about an, an incident, uh, and in doing so, it wouldn't be used against him. Right, but for the civil case. For the civil case. Right. And they ended up using it in the criminal case. Right. So, do you know what the little piece was? Him apologizing for what he did. Huh? I don't know if, if you've apologized for anything you didn't do before. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Hey, you know what? Hey, in a court of law, (laughs) uh, I have been in the court of law a couple times. So Uh, me too. I have apologized when I was forced to do so. So I, you know, I can't say that uh, I I don't feel sorry for the Puddin' Pops man. I mean, but I grew up watching Bill Cosby, and I mean, he's a. I I grew up watching him too, but at the end of the day, like I grew up loving Michael Jackson, and there's been like there's a lot of smoke. I tell you right now, I don't care what they say about Michael. He's oh, still, I love the music. He's still, he's still the greatest. Oh, we still play. We still play Michael Jackson radio. My kids play time. his music all the time, and they always oh. ask me questions, and I can't. Will tell your them kids play R. Kelly music? No. no. Would they have before the documentary? I don't know, but I mean, I R. Kelly. You don't seem like an R. So Kelly guy. Nasty. It's just so gross. So nasty. Although, if you there's watch, a great meme though. If, on you, Facebook. if you do watch the Leaving Neverland documentary, have you watched it? I have not. Okay. I can't do if it. you watch that, there's a level of nasty gets in there. I I will not cover here. That will be like, ah, even if it's not true, I can't even get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. And people listening that have watched it will will understand what I'm saying. There's a, there's some, it's just bad. That's not I hand motioned for you. It's, it's like, you spread it, ew, butt cheeks. Yeah, That's like all bad. Yeah, I don't like want, not good. Next time. so much bad. Next time. <laughs> but we covered all the bad people. Um, but one of the things that I do want to talk to you about, which I do think is fun, um, is one of the other big differences we have is uh, the DC sports fan versus the Baltimore sports yes. fan. Um, which, natural, actually, believe it or not. This is not a uh, forced thing. This is not like a, uh, we lived in the exact same area and we were just being dicks for the sake of being dicks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, is that where you grew up, you only could have been a, a DC sports fan. Where South I Maryland, grew maybe. up, South where, where I grew up, was literally the crossroads of both. Yes. However, everything... From the side of the family we are related upon, was minus in Baltimore. Minus one. Minus where you ended up. Black sheep of the family. Not black sheep. It's just where you ended up. Mm -hmm. Right. Comes down. Although everybody moved down. What's weird, right? What's weird is they spent more time in the D.C. area, Bladensburg, Mm -hmm. than they did in the Baltimore. And yet they nothing changed. And yet nothing ever changed. However, what I will tell you is that nothing has changed in the two cities. How so? If you sit down at a very nice bar in D.C. and have a conversation, and you give someone who's like, oh, I am from Northeast D.C. in Georgetown. Hmm. Oh, uh, Northwest. 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 Come on, get your God shit right. It, that city still confuses the shit out of me. It's really the easiest part of versus Baltimore. <laughs> no, Baltimore's very easy. Don't go here and here. That's very simple. Don't go to Southeast. Uh, I've been in Southeast. It's not that bad. It's not that great, but it's not that bad. Okay. 
Are you about to invite me on a ride along? Hey, you can come. <laughs> you can come anytime you want. Uh, that's what she said. Um, so then, uh, what's funny though is if you're sitting in a very nice bar in Georgetown, right? Let's just say, um, not Dupont Circle, but in Georgetown, mm-hmm. you're sitting in a very nice bar with somebody who's come down from Bethesda to have a drink and have a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you say that you're from Baltimore. You get mm-hmm. this, this very like elitist look. Cool. Before you say anything, if you go to Baltimore and you wear your polo shirt, I'm not even going to go tie. I'm just say polo shirt. You sit at the bar and be like, ah, from Georgetown. You will get the exact same look, but from the other side of the coin. And it's funny to me that that never goes away because I don't understand the difference. I don't understand the rivalry. Someone will probably try to explain it to me. It won't make sense. Um... Neither team's sports have ever been in the same division, have been in the same conference, mm-hmm. have been in the same league. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, I laugh, and I think you and I have talked about this before. Like, this whole Ravens Redskins rivalry, it's not a freaking rivalry. They yes, play once is. every four years. No, nope, it's a rivalry. But you say it is because they're 35 miles apart. But, it's okay. Battle, battle of the Beltway. Uh, cool. <laughs> Who cares? Well, it's not necessarily. Why does love, it matter? And I love how the fact that you gave. Um, DC the uh, polo shirt, whereas oh no, there's no polo shirts in Baltimore. The, well, yeah, and there really is not any polo shirts in DC. I was trying and, to tame and, it down right. from ties. Your, your, your average football fan in DC is not from Northwest. They're going to be from Northeast. I wasn't saying football fan. I was saying in general, mm-hmm. just city dwellers. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. I, you're right. So I, do you want to know why? Do you know where my most disdain comes from the city of Baltimore? I would love to hear it, and I swear to God, if it's Ray Lewis, he has a part in it. So, <laughs> oh, oh man, oh the murderer himself. Um, so like, uh, <laughs> ah, well, ah, eh, right, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> he was definitely there. Um, so my biggest thing was when when the Ravens my when the Ravens came to be. I didn't give a shit about them. It no. didn't bother me one one way or the other. Right. I had so many friends and so many family that were all Redskin fans. Sure. And the first couple years that the Ravens were in existence, no one gave a shit about them. They Until were, they started winning. And when they started winning, yeah. then I started seeing more and more of the Redskin fans just jump ship and sure. go over to the Ravens. And sure. when they won the Super Bowl... With the crew that was the inmates to the Baltimore prison system. Um, just allegedly. You guys had more people on ankle bracelets that year. Than no, any, just one. Any, no. And then following that, the a couple of us. That's defensive it. team. Now, Rod Woodson was a good the guy. defensive team. Whatever. Get Tony Sergos is fat. Yeah, and he was uh, he was part of the mafia. Let's all be honest. Okay, but you love Tony Sarandos. I do. He's fat. And exactly. He, he's he, he's a hero. Yeah. But <laughs> I well when when they won the Super Bowl, uh, and I saw all the Redskin hats get thrown away, and I saw people buying the Raven hats. I'm with you. That, I was, that's just ridiculous. I, I saw that. that, and I was like, I didn't like Baltimore before. Now <laughs> I really hate him. And then enter the biggest showboat in professional sports. Beating Deion Sanders oh, was Ray Lewis. Yeah. And every oh, time... I thought you meant when Deion came to play. No, when every time Ray Lewis made a tackle, or when he came on the field, and it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it was all about me, 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 me. 
me. And the fans ate it up. And the horrible song that's played inside the stadium. Come on, Jaime has a good song. It's terrible. It's a it's great all, song. It's, it's terrible. It's a great but song. I, I, I just can't get over it. And then, it, honestly, it really is the Baltimore fans that I used to think that Philly were the worst fan base. I think different. And, I understand what I, you're saying, but I, I would say there's now, a difference. No, there's I a difference. Now, there's I a think, difference. I think now I've really come to terms with the Baltimore fans, especially when your team is winning. And they're the worst. If you're losing, you're erroneous. You're almost like the Cowboy fans. You're not you're not anywhere present. No, I would tell you that if you listen to Baltimore and most people will agree with me here, I think, is that if you if you were to listen to Baltimore sports talk media, we're never winning. We're never winning. Well, well, you're not. We really, can't handle. Well, you're not winning in life. No, they can't because it's, it's Baltimore. So, but that's what I would tell you is at the crux of everything you just said. There is a massive, massive little man syndrome in Baltimore, right? As well because should be. for years and years and years and years, and when I say that, it starts from 1983 when the Colts left till the time the Ravens showed up. The reason the NFL would not bring an expansion team was. The, the, the reason, which is great, it was, it was quite honestly agreed with until now it works. An so unsafe city? No, no. <laughs> Philadelphia and D.C., two of the top seven markets in the entire country. Mm-hmm. You can't wedge a 20th market in between that. They said it's not sustainable. Okay, the Colts were here forever. Settle down. So, uh, I believe those first few years. So, so I'm with you on uh, the Redskins fans that jump ship and quit. Uh, come on, what are you doing? I mean, that's, I, that's the part. That part bothers. You know what it's significantly. Called? It's called bush league. That's what it is. Agree. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, allegedly, Raylos was there when people got killed. No, allegedly. <laughs> I'll go as far as to say, and I love this man, Ed Reed. He could have been there too. Edward was definitely not there. There were too many homeless things going on that night. <laughs> he was not there. He act- No, he wasn't there. He came after the Super Bowl. That's the shitty part. Oh, that's, he that's came funny. afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is arguably the best free safety. Unless I'm protecting you here because the best strong safety potentially. Mm. Potentially. Mm. Ever. Potentially. Say his name. Potentially. Say his name. Ronnie Lott. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Say Could have been Sean Taylor. Thank you. Could have been Sean Taylor. Never uh, forget what he did to that punter. I, this is the greatest. Uh, that was the greatest Pro Bowl moment, literally ever. Uh, but what I will tell you is that uh, Ed Reed, spectacular. Um, Ray Lewis. I, while I agree with you, there are grandiose and me 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 things a thousand percent. At a time when all the teams were doing full team introductions and the Ravens stuck with individuals because it was Ray Lewis that came out. I have sat in that stadium. Me too, unfortunately. Dozens of times. Okay, settle down. Settle down. M&T Bank Stadium versus FedEx Field. Let's just back up a second. Well, I'm not going to argue about Yeah, it. thank you. I'm not going to argue We got it done so fast! Yeah. Okay, maybe you no. shouldn't have. M&T Stadium is a beautiful stadium. I yes. will give you that. But the people. I get it. It's the people. I got it. And purple. <laughs> Color of royalty, huh? Pete. Peach whiskey. Look, we can all agree right we now. We can all agree right we now. We can all agree that peach whiskey and purple don't work. Yeah, right. If you're going to sit there and make fun of me about not drinking peach, then don't sit there and tell me that a grown man wearing purple. So go fuck yourself. Oh, God. The Colorado Rockies are very pissed at you. Yeah. Um, so what I will tell you is that uh, I have been in, when the, when the Ravens were on certain runs, 
there are very few places I've been. I've been in FedEx for some Redskins games, and I felt this for there were certain players, not Lavar Arrington, but like the the London Fletcher types Wonder and Fletcher stuff like amazing. that. Like uh, uh, I didn't get to be there, but you watched during the Sean Taylor years. Yeah, even like even like during the Joe Gibbs earlies when they were winning Super Bowls. The, the, fun the Gerald Green years, oh, right? Man. Like those, bringing me back to my. You heyday. see those guys, and you would see you could see the stadium. Like, oh yeah. Have you ever felt? Did you were you ever able to be at? Never at RFK. RFK. Never get to be at RFK. Where the, never the, where the, the stadium, stadium shook. Moved. Yeah, it the moved. Sta- the whole stadium shook. That's how I know that my team is better than yours. <laughs> Just because <laughs> my team did is better now. My teams did it better. Uh, uh, oh, that's uh, that's fine. You've won more Super Bowls by one, but uh, two, three, four. We only have three. Three? Okay, so by one. So what I will say is that that same thing with the stadium shaking, there's no replacing that. That's an amazing feeling. I will tell you that when you have been there on a Monday night against the undefeated Patriots, who are, to everyone's credit, the evil empire. They are the evil empire. Not anymore because they're irrelevant now. And the first note... Of hot and hair hits to your boy and hits, and you can literally feel 80,000 people come to a new level. That part is where it means something. When it's against the freaking 19, I'm sorry, the, the 2007 Cleveland Browns, you're like, yeah, it's hot in here. I, got I just it. felt like, dance, get off, man. We gotta go. I just felt like I was gonna vomit when you talked about like the. <laughs> The eighty thousand Raven fans. You know, I just, there I, are eighty thousand of us at the stadium, it's, and you're wearing your little gay uh, purple, my my jersey purple black. camo my jersey's purple black. camo pants. I like the purple camo pants. I don't have any, but I like them. I mean, that's nice. you guys have weird camo pants. Too. We don't have them. You had guys that dress so, up. The in some drag. guys that you had guys that dress up in drag. The hogs ah, at the heart of it. That's guys that drag. Hogs were not. Dressed Although up. I love the the hogs are they wore skirts. They were staples, but they had man features. It's not like drag queens. I, I've got a beard. If I had purple pants on, I've still got man features. So, so uh, semantics. 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 <laughs> Shit is tomato, weird. tomato. Yeah, right. Potato, potato. Uh, no, I, it's a, it's a glorious uh, rivalry, and I think that I, I'm going to ask you this, and I know. Uh, from chatting with you, I know you don't watch sports anymore due to a lot of the like the preaching. I get it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that do that. That don't. The, it's the preaching. Like I, I came to watch sports. I ignore it because I'm there to watch sports. Whoever is doing whatever, I genuinely don't care. However, um, I, we'll touch on that because we do have some time. I, we'll touch on that in one second. But what I want to ask you is, I know you're not happy with them changing the name. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. Um, uh, you know, to me, it's not so much that they're changing their name. It's the arbitrary version in which they're doing it. Yes. The Redskins are changing their name. Okay? The Cleveland Indians are going to change their name. That's actually the most basic name there is. Cool. However, the Atlanta Braves are not. The Blackhawks are not. The Blackhawks are not. The uh, although Florida the Blackhawks, State Seminoles. Okay, Seminoles is named after a tribe, so technically they're Okay. Same with kind of the Blackhawks. However, the biggest one to me that hasn't changed. I'm not even that mad with the Braves, quite honestly, because they don't even have that dude anymore, the Indian-looking guy with the thing anymore. Yeah. They just they do Mister Freeze and they do some other stuff. Fine. How have the Kansas City Chiefs, 
who have their stadium narrowed, named Arrowhead Stadium. And they're always doing this jackass shit. Right. So, and he's doing the chop, for those who can't see, because we don't have any video. But uh, that's the part, to me, it seems mildly arbitrary. I, I'm okay if they're all going to change. But if they're not all going to change, then none should change. But see, here's the thing. For, for me, you know, growing up as in a house of Redskins and then making my son and all my kids, you know, Redskin fans. Sure. And I fully indoctrinated them with that uh, as they should be. But, like, when we talk about that, we've never once, I swear to the Lord, I have never once heard anyone say a derogatory thing about the Redskins or saying it in a manner that would cause disrespect or anything else. And and to me, when, when that kind of stuff happened and I was hearing all these, you know, hipsters and, you know, these woke idiots sitting there talking about all this stuff, and it really just, it really grinds my gears uh, sitting here talking about that kind of stuff because it means a lot to me. And now I've lost my ability to really watch my team. My son loved it. We would sit there on the couch together. My daughter would sit there with us. We would sit there and we would cheer this team on. They would wear the clothes. They would wear the merchandise. And it wasn't like we were trying to disrespect anybody. Sure. And it's, sure. it really does suck. And it's not until somebody points it out that you go, oh, man, I guess Redskin is kind of weird. Like if they had a team with like Asian people, it was like the the, the Seattle Yellow Skins, right? Like that would be bad. But Or the White but, Crackers. I'd be cool. <laughs> we all be fine with that. Because cracker is a weird word, but but what I what what I mean by that is not to point out that it's silly, but to point out that it until it's pointed out, you don't think of those things. But it is interesting because I think of a couple of things here, right? Like one, um, the NFL this year releasing the rule of throwback helmets. No more rules on helmets. If you guys want to do throwback helmets, do it. A lot of teams did not do throwback uniforms because they weren't allowed to change their helmet. So this year they said, okay, the Eagles have been like, we're not going back to the green. Stupid. Your team's terrible. Do something to get people mm-hmm. involved. Right? But then I saw a meme. It was just like, oh, the NFL says throwback helmets are cool. And they just show the Redskin fans going, hmm. Because what are they going to do? Right? They can't, they can't, can't go back. You, 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 you can't, can't go have, back to the Redskin head, which is... is well, not even okay. that. You can't even go back to, like, the Florida State Seminole before... Because they were the first ones that actually With the had arrow. the arrow. Yeah, I there. love the arrow. And, uh, you know, and before Florida State did that, and before anybody did that. And we're all right. We're, we're all right in saying that the Washington Warriors make sense. But then today, they come out and say, in, in typical... Look, man, I, I know you love them, but let's be honest. It's the worst front office in football. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, hands So down. come out and say, we are absolutely not the Warriors. Are you stupid? It's the most logical name. It it's is. It's the most, but that's fine. Either way, it's still their prerogative because of everything. Fine. But what I would also then say, the other thing it makes me think of, you hate that the team in your city is technically no longer. You hate that they took your team name. I mean, that's what you just said, right? I, I don't really care that they're not in D.C. I, I, I would no, no, I don't, I don't care about that part. I don't care about that part. I'm talking about, like, taking the name. Oh, the name. Taking yeah. all the tradition. Yeah. Everything you were just talking about. That drives you nuts because it's all gone. It's been taken from you out of your city. Similar to the way the Baltimore Colts are no longer the Colts. Because you know. Well, I also think that the Ravens name is the worst name that they could have came up with. I think that they should have. What's the other name they should come up with? But they couldn't. But they couldn't. I know, because they couldn't because it's the Indianapolis Colts. They took the team names. They took the team records. Yeah. They took everything. They did everything. I lived in Cleveland for seven years, as you well know. I lived there when the Browns came back. Mm -hmm. And all I heard was, your team, your team is the one that stole our team. 
said, what's your team name when they come back? It's the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Who's the leading rusher all time in Cleveland Browns history? James Brown. Is he Cleveland Brown? Yes. Okay. Ask me who the leading passer in Baltimore sports history is. They're like, who's the leading passer? I was like, I don't know. Because Johnny Unitas is now an Indianapolis Colt. Technically. So don't give me your shit. Not to you. To the Cleveland Browns. Uh, to Cleveland fans. Don't give me your shit about, oh, my team left. Oh, my God. Do you know who brokered the deal to move the, the, the Browns to Baltimore? Uh, his name's Al Lerner. Do you know who Al Lerner is? Uh, the original owner of the Browns when they came back. Yeah. Is yeah. he part of the Lerner from, like... I, tied to the same family, yes. From, the Nationals' from, Yes. 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 That Lerner mm-hmm. used his plane to broker the deal between Baltimore and Art Modell. Mm-hmm. Art Modell, who, by the way, uh, broke every racial barrier, set up every TV contract that currently exists with the NFL, uh, not in the Hall of Fame, because one reporter from Cleveland gets to present him at the Hall of Fame induction every year to the committee and complains about how Art Modell stole the Cleveland Browns away. (laughs) Ah, bureaucracy at its best. One more thing. One more thing. One more thing that I've already totally forgot because we've had enough whiskey that I don't remember what I was going to ask you. We were talking about something earlier. Mm. It was something to do. I'm trying to think. It was something really great. Not politics-wise? No, it wasn't politics-wise. It was something else. It was something else to get your point of view on something because, oh, man, you were talking about your kids and watching the football games, and, oh, that's what we'll go back to. That's what it was. And I I think we have plenty of time. Right? Like you have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go. Cool. And we've got at least 18 minutes of time left. Okay. Uh, so the thing I think that ultimately, one of the things I want to talk to you about is you have stopped watching professional sports, admittedly. Yes. Due to preaching. Yes. Cool. Why don't you elaborate on why? Preaching being not, and, and just so everybody's clear, this is not on the same topic of the Redskins changing their name. Mm-mm. This is around, uh, we'll start with Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. kneeling. Um, let me just make sure that we're very clear here. This is not specifically related to just Colin Kaepernick. This is related to then following mm-hmm. what transcended behind that of every sport having athletes preach who they were playing in the name of, what chaired, like, you know, what activist thing was going on politicizing, basically, sports entertainment. Yes. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't think so, the WWE is not that far removed from what actual professional sports is. Yeah. Um, the, the outcomes are not predicted Mm-mm. as much as we know. And I can say uh, this. Uh, as much as Vegas would let us. I, I, I think for me, when, when people started putting names on jerseys, and when they sure. basically, and sports announcers, you know, it, when instead of, like, giving the replay about, like, what happened, that they're giving their political view on whatever it is that happened in particular within that, you know, span of seven days. Sure, sure. Uh, I was tired of it. And I put it on mute for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I put it on mute, uh, I won't have to hear it. But then... Then they started playing commercials to it. Then they started sure. playing, you know, they would show uh, people in the stands with what they were doing. And it got, to me, too too much. Uh, and I just, I haven't watched professional sports in the last two years. Mm-hmm. And I can safely say that my wife is happier. Because <laughs> every Sunday, 
my day was either good or ruined when the Redskins yeah, would win sure. or lose. And based and, on recent history, and, and, and always it was ruined. a lot of losses, a lot of uh, ruined. So, um, so I, I, to me, it's it's not as bad anymore, and I'm I'm angry with the way that this is still going on, and I'm glad like the NBA's levels have really tanked, and I think it's good. They should be they should see that people pay these guys. They pay their salaries to go in there, and they pay their tickets. They pay Comcast. Mm-hmm. They haven't been getting the views. And I'm glad, and I hope they keep it up. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Is it... Uh, I hate saying that, because it's like, can I ask you a question? You just did. Yes. Uh, but let me ask you this. Is it the volume, or just the fact that it's happening? I think that... I think it's the volume. I think it's the volume. I think that if you wanted to do something to... Like, when Colin Kaepernick started it out, it... It, it first, made sense. It Well, it did in a way, but then it... But then it didn't because he said that it wasn't about the flag and it wasn't about the country. But then it turned into it because that's then, not his fault. No, it is his fault because he decided that he wanted to go against the Betsy Ross flag on the on the shoes of Nike, and he also was sitting there oh, going okay. away from a lot that's, of that. He turned yeah. he, everything that he did. He was a hypocrite. He was a hypocrite for everything that he's done. He is a hypocrite. How so? I was a hypocrite. I think that when someone sits there and tells me that they're trying to bring justice for their cause, sure, and that they're trying to do whatever that they have to do, mm-hmm. fine. Then use your money and politicize what you want to do, and you want to learn okay. about your causes. Sure. The idea that he was actually taking time on a football game to sit there and try and get his point across, when one, you didn't know your audience because you were it, at worst you were half and half. And a lot of it, he was using facts that were not facts. They were opinions. And they were later to be proven wrong. So, for me, I just think that it's a bunch of nonsense. I got you. No, I, I understand that thought process. What I would tell you is where I would disagree with that. Is that I think that at the very initial onset to what Colin Kaepernick was doing, I think this was beautiful about the United States. And I think it's the part that everybody forgets. Beautiful about the United States? You have the ability to do that. You do have the ability to do that. And at the very beginning... Well, hold on. At the very beginning, very particular reason he was doing it. Cool. I agree with you that as it got publicized of what he was doing, he even degraded what he was doing. Of course. And the rest of the players that were just jumping in, okay, I don't give it... I think you're a weaker human than that, okay? Um, Would I ever kneel during the national anthem? Never. Would I ever disrespect the flag and turn away from it? Never. But the part that you have to understand, and it comes from, like, I just watched this the other day, and I will challenge everybody that's listening to this, all four of you, um, to listen, is to go back, type into YouTube the movie, The American President Speech, and listen to that. Because there's a very key phrase he states in that. Are you American? Cool then that means you are willing to stand there and listen to someone spit exactly the opposite of what you think in your face at that time because they can. And it's okay. Which is why I say at the beginning, so it's fine. But I agree with you, just to make sure we're very clear. I agree with you. The volume of it, and don't get me started on LeBron James, he's because worthless. he's the greatest piggybacker of all time. He's terrible. What? Colin Kaepernick's thing was was a blip, and all the followers, all the it. sheep, 
ruined. But they ruined it. But because at that time, that that instance that he was talking about was fair. That that police brutality. And again, this is what we talked about earlier, right? The police thing. Not all police are bad. As a matter of fact, ninety five percent of them are great. The bad apples in everything you do. Right. And if you want to protest that, you can in the United States. However, where it went got worse and worse and worse, and it grew into different things. And we won't get into all of that specifics at this point in time. But like, that's what I would say is that I, I understand what you're saying about the volume of it. I agree with you. The volume of it is too much, and sometimes it is. It's impossible to watch. I don't want to watch a baseball game and have them stop and be like, "It's time to stand up to cancer." Here's everybody who's died from cancer. Why? Yeah, I don't need that. I know that. I don't care. But here's the other part of that, which you said was, is that it is his right. But here's the other part of the flip of that coin. is It's, I, it's, the, it's your right to be it's, upset. It's your right to be upset about mm-hmm. it. And then what really was the worst part about this is, is that news media people were coming after the people that were upset about it. So they were flipping the coin saying, you don't have a right to be angry about this person for saying what he wants. So if there's an ability to have free speech for him to sit there and kneel for the flag, you can't get mad at the other person that says, I don't like that, and I'm not going to tolerate that, and I don't agree with it. And then when those people started to stand up for themselves and say, we don't agree with this, they were met with hostility. And they said that you are a person that basically agrees with why that he's kneeling in the first place. And that gets back, it could not be a more full circle topic to bring us back to the beginning Mm -hmm. which is at the end of the day just because you believe what you just said and i believe what i just said does not mean i'm gonna kill you no it might in your sleep it's fine i think that the biggest thing and we talked about this earlier and talking about like politics whether it's mm -hmm. whether it's sports or whether it's you know politics in general Mm -hmm. uh, i think that the biggest thing that we have that we need to really work at is that people when they have a differing of opinion is that they need to have the ability to sit there and talk it out. Yeah. We've lost Agreed. we've lost the ability for someone on the right or the left to have a conversation and not get heated. And I and I really do feel this way and maybe it's just me and I'm sure that the liberal friends that I know will tell me that I'm losing my mind. <laughs> but every time that I have a discussion with someone who's a very staunch like liberal person or someone that thinks a little bit differently than me, it gets really heated. And I think it's because that they don't have a lot of subject knowledge in that area and they get feelings and emotions and when emotions and when emotions get brought into a conversation and you don't have anything to add you feel like you get put into a corner and then when that happens people get really reactive Defenses. fight or flight right yeah and they get very angry and words start to come out they'll call you every you know it's the phobe or whatever it is that there is in the in the dictionary and i think that like in the firehouse we have a variety of different guys that are mm-hmm. there from, from you know, mm-hmm. affluent, you know, uh, households to very poor. And whether they're white or they're black or they're Asian or whatever else, it doesn't matter. The firehouse table solves all things. Thank we you, sit there you. and we talk it out and we sit there and we can have conversations from someone who was raised in the hood versus someone that was raised in the country. And they may have differing opinions on sports or politics or whatever but else. But they'll save each other's lives but in an they'll, instant. And they'll never yell at each other nope. about it and they'll sit there and cut up on each other and make fun of each other in the next breath mm-hmm. and i think that if we could get back to the point of actually just trying to learn more about the issues at hand and if i don't always have to be right 
and I know I'm not a lot of times, but in my mind, if I'm saying something, don't be so closed-minded to sit there and close off and then sit there and worry about what you're going to say next because you're already not listening to the point. Exactly right. That's exactly right. You have nailed the most perfect point, and I wouldn't end it on any better note than that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the donk with the, the absolute crusher right there, which is, ladies and gentlemen, have a conversation with an open mind where you're listening, not waiting to respond. And when you're listening, uh, understand that maybe, just maybe, the other human across the table said something that you had never thought of. And maybe you want to go check it out. And it's okay for you to check it out. It's okay for you to say, damn, man, solid point. I need to check that out. I hate you for making me feel that way. But we're cool. It's okay with that. It's okay because you're a Baltimore fan. It's okay that you're a Washington fan. We're still... We're still blood. We're still blood. You want to go have a cigar? Yeah. Let's do this shit. Cheers it up, buddy. Cheers. Hey, great podcast. Yes, indeed. You're a killer. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Enjoy. Uh, Be nice to each other, please. Because we were. And we're cool as hell. Be like us. The Donk and Goldie. Deuces.